In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, listeners. We want to take a moment to recognize the importance of mental well-being. At times, the show features sensitive material. Know that there are options, and you don't have to deal with it alone. Our continued support for mental health and treatment comes from Talkspace. Visit Talkspace.com to learn more. The following episode deals with themes and depictions of self-harm that may be triggering for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Q-Code presents Soft Voice, starring Naomi Scott, Olivia Cook, and Belle Powley. Created by James Bloor. It was an ordinary day and sunny, and Lydia hadn't slept. Lydia hadn't slept because she'd been awake all night, thinking about the poem from Jean, the poem written in blood. Somehow, Lydia knew that today was going to be a big day, perhaps the very biggest of them all, but she couldn't figure out precisely why, or what, or how. As you know, ordinarily, when she couldn't figure out exactly why, or what, or how, Lydia asked me. But I was greeted with a terrifyingly unusual sound. Silence. Lydia did not say a single word to me. Not one single word, all morning. Today was of course the day of Granny Night Night's memorial service. A polished black car crawled through High Holborn, past the Bleeding Heart Tavern, past Gray's Inn, all the way along Ely Place and right up to the Catholic Church of St. Januarius. Out of the car stepped Jane, Lydia's mother, and Mark, Lydia's father, and Uncle Rick, Lydia's uncle, and Graham with a knee, Lydia's boyfriend, and Jeannie, Lydia's puppy, and finally, Lydia herself. Jane helped Mark into his wheelchair and began to push him towards the church doors. Uncle Rick followed, adjusting his black tie. Lydia trailed behind with Graham with an E who carried her puppy Jeannie. At the entrance to the church stood the priest, Father Grufford, who greeted them with a smile. Welcome, welcome. God be with you, said Father Grufford. Thank you, Father, said Jane, marching into the church, pushing the wheelchair. Uncle Rick at her side. Lydia dipped her fingers in the holy water 
dabbing her forehead, chest and shoulders, and followed her family down the aisle, looking up at the saints and the martyrs and the stained glass. Lydia sat down next to Uncle Rick on the front row, while Father Grafford fogged the air with incense and climbed to the altar. May the Father of mercies, the God of all consolation, be with you on this bright winter morn as we come together to celebrate the Remembrance Mass of Judith Catherine Gumfield. And especially warm welcome to you, her family and her friends, as we give thanks to God for her life. And though you might catch yourself thinking, well, isn't it a pity that today the chapel will be so cold? And isn't it a pity that today the pews be so empty? I invite you to invigorate that most precious faculty that God gave to you. The faculty of the imagination. To picture for yourselves the chapel teeming now with the many hundreds of humanoids that Judith knew across her long life of 89 years. All of them sitting among you now, smiles and tears shimmering on their faces, each remembering and celebrating that marvellous woman. Judith, that you, each of you knew, of but one small part in the mystery of Christ. You see, in remembering Judith today, we are each of us offered an opportunity to consider that our own life is really nothing other than a death that we seldom acknowledge we are having, but that in fact we have been having since birth. Stretched, God willing, as it is over years, over decades, in the service of some unique purpose that emerges gradually as time pushes through our mortal flesh. Now, we do not, none of us know exactly how Judith left this life. We only know that one day she vanished. And it must be said that a memorial service is so much the more difficult than a funeral service. For today you cannot see before you the body of Judith. But I tell you faithfully, though you do not see Judith in front of you now, she is here amongst you, in the DNA of your cells, in the gardens of your memories, and in the presence of the creative spirit of the universe. To begin our proceedings today, we have the marvellous Richard. Judith's son, paying tribute to her in his eulogy. Richard, if you'd like to step up to the altar now. Rick? I can't do it. What? I'm sorry, but I, I can't. I, I, I just can't. Can you do it, Jane? Oh, for crying out loud. Just give it to me, Rick. I'll read it. You're not going to read it, Mark. We can't exactly get you up to the altar, can we? Is everything all right there? Would you like for me to read your eulogy, Richard? Lydia? Would you? No problem, Uncle Rick. You hold on to Jeannie for me. Okay, okay. Shh, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Shh. Judith Catherine Gumfield was born in Chiswick, London, on the 4th of January, 
the youngest child of four to Elizabeth Maynard, a milliner who specialised in feathers, and James Gunfield, a lift operator at Paddington Station. Unlike her elder siblings, Judith received a formal education at Poynings House Boarding School for Girls in Norfolk, where her form tutor began her end-of-year report for 1937 by saying that Judith showed a particular talent. For goodness sake. I'm so sorry. Uh, forgot to put it on silent. How curious, Lydia. A missed call, unknown number, two text messages. First message, hello Lydia, this is Salim, your grandmother's friend from Berlin. Something important, Lydia? No, 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 nothing. Sorry. Well, 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 Lydia. Sorry about that, everyone. Um... Salim from Berlin. Okay, where was I? What could he want? Unlike her elder siblings, Judith received a formal education at Poynings House Boarding School for Girls in Norfolk, where her form tutor began her end-of-year report for 1937 by saying that Judith showed a particular talent for making friends and, and an even greater one for making enemies. That report was written when she was nine years old. I think those of us who knew Mum can pretty well agree that she didn't change much in that regard for the next 80 years. Mum was a mum was a law unto herself and she did as she pleased which usually ended up being something rather surprising you never really knew quite what she was going to do next at that moment the chapel door swung wide everybody turned around nobody breathed the silhouette of a woman stood in the doorway granny night The woman stepped into the church, but she was not Granny Night-Night. She was a police officer. Right behind her followed a male police officer who closed the doors and the two of them sat down on the nearest pew. And Lydia's heart began to thump in her ears. Lydia leant over to Father Gruffid. Sorry, Father, I just need to use the bathroom quickly. Do you have one? Just in the vestibule, Lydia. Thank you. Lydia, slow down. Lydia! (laughs) Lydia held her phone in her shaking hands. She opened the message from Salim. Salim from the night of tragedy and glory at Burial Goldmine in Berlin all those months ago. Lydia's eyes took in Salim's message. Hello, Lydia. This is Salim, your grandmother's friend from Berlin. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to find you online. I need to pass a message to you from your grandmother. It's here in the video. Oh, God. I hope you're well and that you know you did something amazing. After his message, Salim had sent a video, which Lydia opened. Is it on? Right. Hello, Lydia. I'm just here in the toilets at the discotheque in Berlin. You're somewhere out on the dance floor having a splendid time. However, when you receive this videotape, I will be dead. And I want you to know, Lydia, that death is absolutely safe. Oh, piss man! Piss man! Come and say hello to Lydia, my granddaughter. Hello! That's piss man, Lydia. Now, let's do the legalities first. So... 
to whomsoever it may concern, I, Judith C. Gumfield, formally absolve my granddaughter, Lydia, from any and all responsibility in connection with my death. It is entirely my express wish to come here and to die. There. That should get you out of any trouble you might have with the police. Now, Lydia, there was one other thing I wanted to discuss with you before I sign off. I want to tell you something. Something about yourself. I have watched you grow from a tiny child into a young woman. And what I have noticed, Lydia, is that you go around pretending to be perfect. Now, the only reason, my dear, as to why somebody should try so hard to convince everybody around them that they are perfect is because they feel so deeply imperfect on the inside. In short, Lydia, you behave as though there is something deeply wrong with you, something that you need to make up for. And I'm sorry if this comes as a disappointment to you, my darling. But the simple fact is that you are just a mixture of darkness and light, like we all are. You will wound people, and you will be wounded. You will heal people, and you will be healed. And that's life. The only thing that is wrong with you, my dear, is that... Lydia. Lydia, my name is Detective Violet Blow. I'm afraid I need to ask you a few questions. Lydia unlocked the cubicle door. The cubicle door swung open. Lydia, dressed in her black dress, clutching her black clutch, stared up at Detective Blow. Detective Blow was taller than Lydia and older in her early 60s. She wore a thin pinstripe suit. Lydia picked up her phone off the floor. The screen had cracked. Hello, Lydia, said Detective Blow. Say nothing, Lydia. I said to Lydia, If you'd like to follow me, please. Detective Blow and her colleague marched Lydia out of the vestibule toilet and down the aisle of the church. What's going on? Who are you? Apologies, ma'am, but we need to ask Lydia a few questions. What? Jane grabbed Lydia by the arm and pulled her away from the detective. What is going on? What have you done? Lydia said nothing. This is outrageous! Interrupting a family funeral! Have you no shame? Wow, that is dark. My apologies, ma'am. We hope the rest of the service goes well, and our condolences to you all. Get off her! Get off! Follow me, please, Lydia. She will not follow you. Lydia, I am arresting you in connection with the death of an unknown woman. You do not have to no, say Lydia. anything. But no, no. it may harm Lydia. your defence if you do Lydia. not mention, when questioned, something Lydia. which you later rely on in no. court. Anything you do say may be no. given in evidence. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> thinking, Lydia. Thinking, thinking. Everything you see around you started off as a thought. Detective Blow put Lydia into the back of the police car and pulled out. Not taking her to the station, boss. We are not taking her to the station, Simmons. We are taking her to her home. Uh, but Mom. I know a wrong, and when I see one, Simmons, I can feel it in my bones.
Hey listeners, it's Neely from QCode, here to tell you more about our partners at Talkspace and how we're celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month. While we take this month to celebrate, we understand the importance of prioritizing your mental health all year long. This year, we have the chance to turn a corner, to move forward from the things holding us back and focus on ourselves and our future. To begin this journey, I recommend using Talkspace for therapy. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform with thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals so you can organize your life and prioritize yourself effectively. Talkspace is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy and takes a fraction of the time. Instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they'll engage with you daily, five days a week. We know how hard it can be to take that first step. But as a listener of Soft Voice, they're offering you $100 off of your first month of Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code SOFTVOICE to get $100 off of your first month and show your support for the show. That's SOFTVOICE and Talkspace.com. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Marching out of the police car, marching up Curtain Road, marching under the looks and the glances of passers-by, marching up to Lydia's block of flats, marching up to the front door. Allow me to remove your handcuffs, Lydia, said Blow. Please open the door. Lydia's hand shook as she opened her funeral clutch and drew out her keys, knocking out the blood poem, out onto the cold, wet, concrete pavement. Like a hawk, Blow snatched it up. What remarkable handwriting you have, Lydia, said Blow with a smile. But Lydia avoided the detective's eyes and slid her trembling keys into the lock, turning them to enter the head, to enter the home. Keep calm, Lydia, and do exactly as I tell you. I'm your only hope. Please take a seat. Do as she says. 
As I said, Lydia, I need to ask you some questions and this conversation will be recorded. Lydia, can you tell me where you were on the night of Saturday the 1st of September? Say nothing. You have the right to remain silent. All right, Lydia. Let's try this another way. Stop fidgeting. When we recovered the body of a young woman from Regent's Canal last week, our team was able to extract some data from her waterlogged phone. No comment. We found a number saved under Lydia, with a love heart next to it. Call a lawyer. We were able to track that number. To you. What can you tell me about this piece of paper that fell out of your clutch, Lydia? Looks like a letter or a poem written in red ink. Although, is it red? It's more a brown, really, isn't it? Very similar, in fact, to the hundreds of poems we found written in blood when we located a woman's house share. Jean, is this going to be scary? A little, but I'll protect you. Perhaps you could describe the nature of your relationship. She rubs the lotion on her skin. She does this whenever she's told. I like to be told. I noticed. Certainly seems the two of you were close. Where does it hurt? Just there. There? That feels great. Why didn't you report her when she went missing? Weren't you worried? I think I love you, Lydia. I love you too. Did something go wrong, Lydia? Lydia, you're scaring me. Was there a fight? An accident? I'm sorry, but my headache's getting worse. Start talking, Lydia. Once you're in, you'll be fine. Oh, Jean, I, I really don't know if I can. Of course you can. The game is up. Must be very lonely inside that head of yours, Lydia. Why don't you tell me what you're thinking? Thinking? What was that? I said... I said, um... Thinking. Because I was trying to stop thinking and take a break in the marathon in the middle or at the start because it turns out you can lose things because even if the total amount of energy and matter in the universe remains constant merely changing from one form to another you can never get those forms back I killed Jean. It was me. I didn't mean to. I was trying to fix her headache. But I was also trying to. I was. I was desperate to try to get soft. My friend. I was desperate to get my friend back to me, and I lost control. I didn't to hurt anyone. I didn't mean to hurt anyone at all. I, I needed something. Someone. Myself. I needed myself back. 
and I've been hiding and cheating and pretending that I'm correct, that I'm even the best, because I know I'm the worst. I suppose that is what's terribly wrong with me. What's terribly wrong with me is that I go around believing that there's something terribly wrong with me. So then I do things to try to prove that there isn't anything terribly wrong with me and when that doesn't work, I do things to confirm that there is. Aunt Aren't you going to say something? Oh, my word. So it is you. It is. I knew it. Your voice. Hello, Lydia. <gasps> What's the matter? <laughs> Are you on? no easy way to tell you this, Lydia. Tell me what? It's about your voice. What about my voice? You are the voice in my head. You sound exactly like the voice in my head. But... but how? 
I know it sounds quite mad. It's, 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 it's rather a lot to take in. But people, people who hear a voice in their head, aren't they insane? Oh, Lydia. I know it's very hard for you to understand because you think that you're a person called Lydia, but in fact, you are a part, a fragment of my psyche. I, I just, I can't believe I finally found you. <laughs> Maybe it's you who's found me. In any case, I've been searching for you for years. And here you are. I had a feeling, you know. I had a feeling it was going to be you. You're the last one. And with that, Blow turned the ignition and flicked the siren, and the police car peeled out into the cold winter night. Lydia was so shocked that she sat there in silence, her mouth slightly open. Was she really just a voice? Just a sound? Just a murmur in somebody else's mind? If she was a part of Detective Blow, did that mean that Jean had been a part of her? A gentle, ugly part of her that she had killed? Were all the horrors of her life, Lydia wondered, were all the joys of it simply the events of a story constructed in somebody else's imagination? Lydia looked down at her hands. She took her left hand in her right hand and held it tightly. It was warm. It seemed real enough. Detective Blow stared out at the road, the lights and the shadows dancing across her face. What was it like inside of her? Lydia wondered. A person or a character? A teller of a story or a story being told. So I'm really the voice in your head? Lydia whispered. Well, said Detective Blow. You're one of them. I'm one of them, said Lydia. Yes, said Detective Blow. I see, said Lydia. And where are we going? Detective Blow smiled, tears rolling down her cheeks. To meet the others.
Soft Voice stars Naomi Scott as Lydia, Olivia Cook as Dark Voice, and Belle Powley as Soft Voice, Jacoby Fawn as Father Gruffin, Amanda Lawrence as Jane and Granny Night Night, Edward Blumel as Uncle Rick, Andrew Johnson as Mark, Christian Cook as Graham with an E, Julia Ormond as Detective Blow. Additional performance by Curtiv Kerwan, Knox Collier. Created by James Bloor. Written and directed by James Bloor. Executive produced by Olivia Cook, Belle Powley, Naomi Scott, Jordan Spence, Brian Cavanaugh-Jones, Fred Berger, Rob Herding, and David Henning. Co-executive producer, Chris Ferguson and Andrew Levine. Produced by Shin Yin Hiyu. Producer, Marlena Ma. Supervising producer, Tess Ryan and Sandra Yi Ling. Co-producer, Michelle Zarate. Original music and composition by Jeremy Wallace McLean. Q-Code Head of Music, Darren Johnson. Audio Engineering by Ryan Walsh and Ben Milchev. Edited by Ainsley Baldwin. Sound Design and Mix by Eugenio Battaglia. Sound Edit by Alex Lara Peralta. Casting Directors Chelsea Block and Marisol Rancali at Atomic Honey. Casting Director for Guest Roles, Andrea Bunker. Assistant Director, Kelsey Adams. Script Supervisor, Sarah Gerritsen. Assistant Engineering by Neely Oftering. Additional Editing by Alvin Wee. Production Coordinator, Brandon Weisner, Jack Friedman, and Sam Brain. Production Assistant, Nathan Yan and Jillian Evinas. Post Coordinator, Rachel Yanover. Production Legal, Christina Bulbrook and Lindsay Keel. Production Accounting, Pin Chun Liu. Produced in association with Oddfellows Post. Soft Voice is a Q-Code and New Name Entertainment production. Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh. I thought it was weird, too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again. Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai, and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade! And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts.